What's up, y'all, and welcome back to Found Bites, a game review series. My name is Brian. I'll be your host for the show. If you don't know about us, we're all about testing and finding small, high-quality video games. This is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find those gems that may be worth your precious resources. If you're interested in reaching out or helping out, feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe us on whatever podcast feed you are using. But enough about the show, let's get into our next game. Morbid, The Seven Acolytes, is the game for this week's episode. So Morbid is a Souls-like action RPG. And notable comparisons, if you've ever played Salt and Sanctuary, or really any Souls-like, it's kind of similar. It's not as involved as a game like Salt and Sanctuary, but uh, the view is like a top-down, kind of isometric. In terms of release dates... December of 2020, it was released on PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. The developer is a studio called Still Running, and they've made a couple games before. Uh, There's one called The Walking Vegetables. I have not played it, but it seems like a take on The Walking Dead. Still Running is a studio of about 10 to 15 people, and they're from Finland. So shout out to Finland. I also had a nice correspondence with someone from this dev team uh, named Nana, and we got to talking, she listened to some episodes of the show, and we had a nice exchange, and we have actually a little surprise for our audience uh, at the end of the episode, so please stay tuned and listen all the way through. Uh, The publisher is Merge Games. Merge Games has published a bunch of of games that are notable. Most recently for our audience would be the Aragami games, one and two. They've also published Dead Cells, Shredder's Revenge, which is the new TMNT game, which I'm hearing very good things about, and a really favorite game of mine uh, called Darkest Dungeon. This game was released with an MSRP of $24.99 and runtime somewhere between seven and 10 hours, seven if you're just kind of running through, and 10 if you're trying to do all the things and optional bosses, although there's not that many. This does have a platinum trophy for our PlayStation listeners. Me, I bought this game on sale for $4.99, so a lot of value there, and I actually just beat this game, and it took me about eight hours, I would say. I would love to get the platinum trophy. I'm only missing like three trophies, but there's one trophy One of these trophies is to beat a boss without getting hit, and that is really difficult. So I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. It's funny, though, because Time Spinner actually had a similar trophy, and I was able to do it, but I think the crutch of uh, being able to stop time really helped with that. So I'll give it a try because there is a new game plus, and I might go back and beat one of the easier bosses and try to do it without getting hit, but it is still pretty tough. This game was not recommended to me by anyone. I just saw it on sale, and it looked kind of cool. I'm a big Souls fan, a big From Software fan, 
um, and especially in the, the 2D space. So I gave it a shot. Let's talk gameplay. So this is an action RPG, Souls-like, and it is a top-down camera, isometric. Uh, in terms of being a, soul, a Souls-like, that's sort of how they marketed this game, and they really lean into it. And there are plenty of comparisons. So they have shrines, which basically act like bonfires. You can rest there. You can travel from there and things like that. Uh, you do have flasks for health. We'll talk about that. However, there's no currency which is interesting because normally there's a risk-reward about traveling and exploring and possibly dying and losing some of your currency, but there isn't any. So I think that kind of lifts some of the weight off of your shoulders. In terms of difficulty, it's tough to gauge for the audience, but I would say that if you're a Souls veteran or if you've played 2D Souls-like games, uh, you shouldn't have too much trouble with this. I only died in total, I don't know, maybe like 10 times. So your character you are going to walk your character around with the joystick and you can hit a button to roll, kind of like a roll dodge. And if you hold that button, you will be able to run. And you do have a stamina meter and the roll takes a fair amount of stamina, but the run actually does not take a lot of stamina, not nearly as much as in uh, past Souls games that I've played, so I like that. The combat, there are two main aspects here. So the melee combat, you will learn pretty on that you can swing your weapon with uh, a regular attack or a strong attack. A strong attack is going to take sort of more time to build up. Um, and so timing in hitboxes is a big thing with enemies. Very similar to what we saw in Lamentum. Because there will be sort of sweet spots for different enemies to be a certain amount of distance away. These enemies, for the most part, are going to be walking or running at you. And so timing is going to be a big thing, especially if you're trying to strong attack. There are two major approaches to melee combat. There's the hit and roll approach. And there is parrying. So hit and roll is just like it sounds. You're often going to get one, maybe two hits off, depending on the weapon and depending on its attack speed. Or you can parry. Now, the good thing about parrying is there is a damage multiplier. I'm not sure exactly what it is, but if you parry, like if uh, an enemy is attacking and you hit the block button and you get the timing right and you attack right away, you'll get a nice damage boost for that. However, it does not stop enemies from attacking. So some enemies will have like a sequence, these specific enemies that are in hoods, and they do three attacks in a row no matter what. So if you try to parry the first one and attack, you're going to get hit. Pretty much anything that hits you does like a poise damage and it interrupts your attack. With bosses, I find the parrying a lot harder, but it is like Sekiro in that you can pretty much parry anything. As I got through this game, I actually got a lot more comfortable with parrying. You're going to find different weapons, different melee weapons, um, and they're going to have different swing ranges and different animations for strong attacks. Some of the spears and claws, you actually do like a pretty far jump for the strong attack, and I like that. And I would say there's a fair variety of different types. And you also have ranged weapons. So you have guns. It's not an either-or. You can actually have both of them equipped at the same time. I like this because you can find some pretty good guns, and they will have ammo. This is kind of right out of Bloodborne. You've got your 
melee attack and then you've got your long ranged although it's a lot more viable in this game and it's good for you know varying your tactics um, and also crowd control because a lot of the guns will actually hit multiple enemies um, and you'll have a weapon set so you'll have a melee weapon and you can equip a gun or a ranged weapon as a set and you'll be able to have two different sets and you'll be able to swap back and forth very similar to time spinner you will find a bunch of items and you'll constantly be putting things in your inventory. So you'll find a lot of consumables, and I like the consumables in this game. Primarily, they're going to deal with three things, which are health, stamina, and sanity. Uh, health and stamina, pretty self-explanatory. Sanity is a little interesting. There's sort of this vertical meter of blue stuff, and the more blue stuff you have, the more sanity you have. And as your sanity goes down, uh, you start to see like like a glowing neural network go over the entire screen. I think it like sort of regularly stuns you and keeps you from moving. But I do like the consumables in this game, and I do like how some of them are risk-reward. Some of them say, like, regenerate health, but take hits to sanity. And you will have quick slots, very similar to Dark Souls. You've got, in the bottom left corner, where the D-pad would be, uh, you've got four quick slots. Now, one of them, the bottom one, will always be taken up by an item called the Stone of Debram. And this is basically your Estus Flask, your replenishable health item. So anytime that you rest at a shrine, all of your Stone of Debram items are going to uh, replenish. And you will find more. Um, and also with ammo, so your ammo is in your top left corner. And as you start, you get five ammo. And when you use it, it's gone and you can rest to replenish it. But you will find items that replenish your ammo. But what's interesting about the ammo is you will find ammo upgrades to your pack and they'll increase your ammo capacity by five. There are also weapons and runes that you'll be collecting. So there's a good variety of weapons. Not too many, though. And I like the different types that you can find. And uh, there's a couple of each type that are out there. And then you'll have runes. So the way that weapons work is you'll see it in the menu. The stats for a weapon are going to be the attack speed, the overall damage, and then sort of the different damage divisions. Different damage types like blood, poison, electricity and cold and also on the weapon you will see a bunch of empty circles and these are slots that you can put runes in and different weapons have a different number of open slots but once you put a rune in there you can't take it out unless you destroy it um, but what the runes will be are sometimes different damage types um, and there are variations like a percentage adding damage so you might find a rune that's um, like 10% like plus 10% electricity or plus 15% electricity or plus 20% electricity. Finding these, you will find a ton of them. I would say that you don't need to ration them. If there's a, a particular weapon that you like, put them on. And not all of them are straight damage. Some of them are attack speed, 5 or 8 or 10%. Uh, some of them are life drain or sanity drain. So as you're hitting enemies, uh, you're gaining back life or sanity. Shout out to this. I really like this aspect. Again, just don't be afraid to use these. In general, I would say that there is a good ratio of things available to how long the game is. Uh, so consumables, weapons, and runes. I, I really like the abundance of this. The inventory. Got a major bone to pick here. So it is space-based, like literal space-based. There are squares and things tape up a certain amount of squares so this is very fallout uh, it's very western rpg uh, and even a newer game now 
uh, Cyberpunk 2077 does this as well. So basically, like like items take up a certain amount of space in your inventory. All consumables and runes and 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 things like that they all stack and they'll take up one space. Uh, but weapons can take up a varied amount of space. They can take up two spaces, three, four. Some of them can take up six. Consumables do cap at ten. So you won't be able to pick up any after 10, but you will be able to stash things at your shrine, but your stash has a limited space. Where my frustration lies with all of this is that number one, there's no sort button. When you're getting items, I think they'll default to like the top row. So if any spaces are available in the top row, they'll go right there. You'll, you might find like a giant ax that takes up six spaces and you have plenty of room in your inventory but it won't sort things to make room for it. And if there is not like an exact three by two spot that is available, it won't let you pick it up. And so you have to manually move everything. It won't allow you to like add to stacks. If I have 10 of an item in my inventory and two in my stash, I can push over eight automatically, but I can't take or put in one at a time. So I'm either going to have to have in my inventory exactly 10 or exactly two. I am a big Stardew Valley fan. I put in about 700 hours and this entire functionality in Stardew Valley is fixed with like two icons in the inventory. Like in the inventory, you can press a, a button and everything will sort immediately. And you can also add to existing stacks. And I wish this were better. Uh, also in your inventory, you can drop items. So you can leave them on the ground and they will stay there. They will stay there. They won't disappear. So you can use sort of the ground as, and I did have to do that a couple times, like drop a couple weapons on the ground. Blessings are something that you'll get in this game. And blessings are things that you will have slots for and you will equip. And these blessings, they are sometimes boost for health, boost for stamina, boost for attack. And so you'll have a certain amount of slots for them. And as you beat bosses, you'll open up more slots. And you can upgrade these at your shrine. I like the blessings. Uh, I think they're helpful. They really mitigate damage control or in lieu of leveling up. I, I do enjoy it. When you are at shrines, um, you have to actually click meditate to rest. And when you rest, you will reset everything. You'll reset your health, uh, your ammo, and you'll also reset enemies. But also at shrines, you can access maps, quests, fast travel, lore, and your stash. I just beat the game and my stash is essentially full, but not to the point where I couldn't put more consumables in or, or anything like that. But the stash actually also can only cap consumables at 10. So at any given point in time, you can only possess like 20 of an item, which is okay. I'm okay with that because it's trying to encourage you to use them, which you should. Maps. So you will see maps. You'll have to get them. They'll be on the ground. And there are sectioned areas of the game. The maps are pretty early in when you get to the area, so it's not like you're you're really struggling to find them. Some frustrations. There's no cursor to show where you are, uh, so you kind of have to guess. As I got through this game more, I, I was fine with it. I was sort of understanding how the map read visually. Um, but the only thing you'll see on the map are shrines. 
and you'll have like hand drawings of the area. You can also access your quests here. It doesn't specify whether it's a main quest or a side quest, which is fine. And it kind of encourages like a non-linear approach, which can you can do. You can go to certain areas out of order. You can fight certain bosses out of order. Where this is frustrating, finding NPCs can be tough because if you don't remember exactly where they were, uh, you're gonna be backtracking, you're gonna be looking everywhere for them. And there is fast travel. This is frustrating as well because I thought when I first started fast traveling that I was traveling between the shrines, but you're actually not. You're traveling to just specific areas in specific maps and there is not necessarily a shrine there. So this can be annoying because if you go somewhere and it's the wrong place, you then have to look for a shrine to travel, which leads into the major frustration with all of this, whether it's maps, quests, fast travel, your stash, you can only look at any of this when you're at a shrine. The fast travel is fine, I understand that, but the maps and the quests, it kind of gets annoying because you don't even remember what you were tracking in terms of quests. If you're in the map and you're trying to get through and you can't, see, like, if you're in an area, you can't see the map. You have to go to a shrine. Luckily, the game is not that big and the areas are not that big. So it's it doesn't reach, like, a bubbling point of frustration in my mind. But it is just kind of a quality of life thing that I just wish... You know, you could have just hit a pause menu and looked at the map for the area. In terms of enemies, there's a good horrid variety, similar to Lamentum, and you will see enemies later in the game. Some that are, you know, advancements of earlier enemies, but some that are completely new. I like the mix there. There's going to be a lot of spores flying around, and they will attack you. They only take one hit to kill. But overall with enemies, there's a nice melee and ranged balance. And something else that you'll see is you'll have enemies that are just normal, but sometimes you will see an enemy whose health bar appears and it has two skulls on either side of the health bar. I think that means that they're just like like a stronger version. I don't know if that's randomly that they come about, but they have more health. One thing to be aware of with enemies is that they'll shoot out either blood or acid, and there will be pools of it on the ground. Walking into these will hurt you and kind of stun lock you. Bosses, uh, I also think these are pretty unique and I like the variety. I like some of these fights. I didn't find it easy to parry a lot of these. I, I was doing a lot of dodge rolling, but I feel like these are unique enough and different enough fights between all of them and a nice good challenge. There's also a new game plus I just found out after beating it, which is cool. And even cooler on top of that is your new game plus is customizable. It will ask you, do you want to keep your blessings? Do you want to keep your inventory, your stash, your weapons, all this stuff? I think that is amazing. I cannot believe they've done that. I Again, just quality life things. They really got that right here. I think that's, and it's so easy to do something like that and have it be customizable. I think that's very beneficial for the player. All right, let's talk about the vibe of Morbid. The claim is that it's a Souls-like, and I totally agree. It's a little bit of Lovecraft and a little bit of punk. And so this really is in the footsteps of Bloodborne. Something that I found 
uh, intriguing is there's this dichotomy of hard and soft or harsh and tender, and it comes into play from the very beginning as soon as you boot up the game. It throws you right on this title screen. There's no like lead up to it. There's no introduction or, or fade up screen or anything like that. It's just right there, and this music, this heavy music starts. It's very bare bones, and the first option is just play. And I found this really interesting because it has sort of this callous tone in the beginning right from the screen. However, as soon as you get to this opening area, this music is very somber and soft. As I'm progressing through this game, I feel like there is a consistency here with this dichotomy where it's like sometimes it's harsh and it's just horrid and then other times it's really meaningful and i found this throughout a, a lot of the areas of the game whether it's because of the bosses or because of what's happening in the story where it's like this peaceful town that's being overrun by these demons and so i i found that interesting and it's very consistent throughout the game especially with the music i really love this music i say that with every game but i, I really like it and i like that some of the tracks are harsh and some of them are are just like reflective and, and meaningful um with the enemies there's like this lovecraftian i guess but like mutated almost cronenberg there's a lot of spores there's blood being tossed everywhere and the same thing goes with bosses Yet, there is a play into the story and a softness there, hard and soft playing back and forth. With the lore, when you're at a shrine, you can look at the lore. It's called the Morbid Menagerie. It took me a little while to look into some of this stuff and the entries that I got, but I really enjoyed reading through some of this. Even some of the stuff about the consumables, the weapons, but a lot about the area and sort of what's going on. Like I said before, there's this peaceful area and it's kind of being taken over by horror. I really see a great depth there and it's not overwhelming. It's not trying to throw a thousand character names at you and get you to understand who they are. In fact, it's kind of the opposite. It tells you of a couple key people, but just sort of in passing. And that punk aspect also comes in with this because it talks about a lot of the history of how guns were developed and why. Something that I felt a little longing for was you as a character. And I know a lot of these games have you as sort of this blank slate that's coming in to clean things up and be the new overlord or whatever. But because I, through reading the lore and talking to characters, there was this sense of this area before all this horror and, and what this town was. I wish that your character kind of played a role in that and also that I, we learned a little bit more about who you were or some growth for you. That's something that I felt particularly longing for. From a visual standpoint, uh, this is a top-down isometric view. It is pixelated. Again, this is very similar to Lamentum. Um, a lot of the enemies are, are interestingly and disgustingly rendered. In terms of colors, a lot of the game is kind of this gray drab but I think that works, especially putting in that sort of punk vibe. Uh, there'll be items on the ground that you'll see sparkling and glowing. The backgrounds in general do take a lot of like Bloodborne. Like there's a lot of statues and these Victorian buildings and churches. Um, and I, I like that. It really helps sort of get that, that punk horror vibe.
Alright, let's wrap up the conversation about Morbid, The Seven Acolytes. So I like this game. I do like this game, and I really enjoyed my time with it. It is not perfect at all. And I talked about some of my issues with the inventory and the sorting. Really wish there was a simple mechanic that could have been added there. Only being able to do things from shrines was very frustrating to me. And if you're struggling with it or, or you're really doing everything in this game, maybe the combat can seem a bit repetitive, the hit and roll and the parry. But I do like that, you know, it throws in the gun aspect. So the melee gun combo, I, I, I think, is good. And the presets, right? You can have multiple things going on at the same time um, and switch back and forth. Uh, the music and the lore, I really dig it. I, I think there is a story here. There is something here um, that is worth learning about and exploring. Um, again, not totally all in your face, thought through and, and, and described, but I like sort of the open-endedness of just like general things, that there's something going on here and this place used to be just kind of uh, simple. But again, I wish I had more about the main character and I think that would have helped with immersion. I think this game is great for 10 or 15 bucks. Uh, I think 25 is is a little tough coming out of the gate with that. Obviously, I got it for 5 bucks, so that's a huge boost there. But I would pay, you know, 10 to 15 for it. It is a Souls-like game, but it's very simple. And I feel like it is very difficult to make a compact, succinct, Souls-like experience. I mean, this is, I beat it in like 8 hours, and I really felt like it had a lot of the hallmarks and still gave me some, some lore and some character. And so, uh, really kudos to them for um, being able to make that happen. I wish I could platinum it. I will try to get that one trophy, um, but we'll see what happens. Okay now, so I said in the beginning that there would be a surprise. Well, the developer is still running. When I reached out to them, they responded by telling me that they could give me some Steam keys for a giveaway for some of my audience. And so, here's the opportunity to do so. If you're somebody that plays on Steam, you have a chance to get a Steam key for this game for free. And all I would like you to do is, when you're hearing this, there will have already been a post on our Twitter page, so at FoundBytesGRS, of this episode. And what I would like you to do is quote tweet this episode, the post for it, and at myself, FoundBytesGRS, and Morbid, the seven acolytes and all you have to write is steam key giveaway and you have to make sure that in addition to this you are following both of us so at found by CRS and at morbid seven acolytes if you are one of the first few people to do this i will message you with a steam key so there is your giveaway and i hope that some of you really take part in it if you don't play on steam hopefully in the future with some of these games, um, we'll be able to get uh, keys for other platforms for you out there that, that play on other platforms. So please participate in this. We'd love to give away some games. And big shout out to Still Running for allowing us to make this happen. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.